This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. Welcome back to the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTK. The ticket online at WTK.com. We're also on Ticket TV as I'm now joined by the guys from the MGO Blog Roundtable. Sam is down at the Sound Mind, Sound Body Camp at Wayne State today. He'll have a full report on that back here on the show tomorrow. But in the meantime, we bring in Brian Cook, Seth Fisher, and Craig Ross, the MGO, MGO Blog crew. Good morning, fellas. How are you? Doing good. Tired. All right, Seth, <laughs> tired. And that's where I want to start because, Seth, you have posted online – Hail to the Victors 2023. <laughs> Not the book, but the able to purchase the book. So why you don't you tell yes, me? we're doing the pre-sale right now. You can buy the book with the t-shirt, and it comes with the digital edition of the book, too. That's the best way to make sure you get the copy of the hard copy of the book, because we're going to decide how many we print based off of how many the pre-sale goes. Um, and it's 128 pages of previewing Michigan football and a bunch of features written by a bunch of really good authors and Craig Ross. And it's all great pictures, great articles, and no ads, so no wasted space. It's going right. to be a great publication coming out once again. MGoBlog.com, obviously, for uh, for more on that. I also, while we, since you guys are here, and it is the MGoBlog roundtable, I have to ask you this question about a feature you guys have been doing recently. Alex was doing the, uh, he watched the, the Braylon Fest, and now he's yeah. watching the 93 Rose Bowl. What led to this idea of watch, him watching games he had never watched that obviously most of us have watched probably a thousand times? It's really fun to get his reaction, but I'm just kind of curious where the impetus came from. Well, Alex watches 1970s NHL games. <laughs> so it's just kind of an offshoot of who he already is as a person. Who's <laughs> yeah, picking the games? Is it him or are you guys picking the games? I, I know the answer to that. The um, He... He was at our house. He, he's a very old person. He's 24 years old, but he's very old. He's interested. He's one of the few people I know who's interested in noir movies. And, and so we have discussions about films from the 30s, 40s. And, uh, and so I, don't, I think it was his idea originally to say, hey, it would be cool to watch old games that I've never seen because he's 24. And, uh, and watch them with someone who actually has seen them, who's old, and that's me. So that goes back to my first game, 1957. And, and so uh, he and I have been watching these games with me providing my memories or content of about what was going on at that time. I thought it was a cool idea. It seems like the response has been from uh, the MGO blog crowd has been pretty, pretty good. And then, so he put a post up on the board saying, Hey, what games would you like me to, you know, look at? So we looked at Braylon fest and then we looked at the Wheatley 
uh, 92, 93 Rose Bowl this week, which he'll be, he'll be writing about. Um, it, it, I thought it was an interesting idea in the dog days of sports. And this is definitely the dog days of sports. Uh, thanks big 10 and NCAA for that. Cause it doesn't need to be. And, uh, but in any event, uh, I he's, idea, and I, uh, I, I love seeing the reaction of someone that never saw the Braylon fest game. Yeah, watching it now, what twenty, nearly twenty, <laughs> nineteen years later, it's a, it's yeah. cool to see the reaction of it and to yeah. read uh, his responses. So I highly recommend uh, checking that one out, and then obviously more coming. I'm assuming throughout yeah. the summer. Then is that the case? Yeah, I think the plan is to uh, you know maybe do eight or ten, ten games, and and the list is games, a sort of a combined list of things he thought of, I thought of, and that the readership thought that they wanted to see. So. Very cool. We'll stick to wins. We'll stick with wins. No, uh, none of those. Yeah, I wanted that. most of the ones I would have picked out would have been losses. That's why I'm honest. telling you to pick wins. <laughs> Just I know because the, the readership was not interested in losses. So we, I don't know if nope, watch Nobody wanted to go back and watch the 06 Ohio State game. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm astounded. I'm astounded that that <laughs> idea was turned down. Yeah, I do know. I do know Michigan fans that go back and watch old games that are losses. I can't. I don't have, even good. I don't have the stomach for it. I don't. Yeah. I really. Don't. I have this this crazy idea, and the very close ones. I watch them, and I and I think we're we're going to win this game, <laughs> right? And uh, it never works. No, it really doesn't work because <laughs> the game was played 10, 20, 30, yeah, 40 yeah, years ago. Works. So. Well, here we are on June 1st. You've got the the uh, magazine advertised on the website, so people can do the pre-order for that now. Yep. June 1st, Michigan has a, tr- a portal candidate in town or coming in today as a defensive back that they're trying to recruit. So that's pretty good news for the Michigan football team as we're heading into the month of June. We are just we were talking about this yesterday and uh, I guess the last few days, and it just kind of really hammers home how different this offseason can be for Michigan than last season where you have a starting quarterback who knows he's the starting quarterback and he's healthy. You have Blake Corum who said he's now back and full go and practice or the uh, workout starts tomorrow. I just can't help that every time I see one little bit of thing, any kind of news about Michigan football for this upcoming season, how excited I get. Is there a reason I should not be that excited, Seth, that every time I see something new? Because there's like this, this team to me should be better than last year. Well, I was going through um, Alex Drain's uh, Ohio State preview last night and – they're pretty good as well, uh, so that's I, you know that's going to be it. Uh, and and Penn State is actually, it, it's tough to win every single game in football season. Um, and John Crick wrote an article for this book uh, where he goes through the past years where Michigan was ranked in the top two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. Right, mostly the the, the number one when you're we're, they were number one preseason like 1981, where it just and and like and what happens and what can trip you up. And I don't want to like scare people and be like, oh no, like, but you know, one thing can knock you off your, your game and it only takes one loss. Now, because we have the game, if you win that game, you can afford another loss somewhere else. Uh, and the interesting thing about that is this is probably out of the three last Ohio State teams, the worst by far, uh, at least in the preseason. When you look at like their offensive lines in trouble, they got a new quarterback they're breaking in. Last two years, when we previewed Ohio State, it was like, these guys are monsters. There is just no weakness on this team. And they're good. They're probably, you know, they're, num- they're picked number one in the Big Ten. But, you know, that's the thing. Like, Ohio State was, um, was, were monsters the last two years, and they couldn't make it work. So it's, uh, it, it's your shot. You get a shot. You do not get any guarantees in this game. 
Yeah, I mean, going into the season, it seems to me uh, Michigan looks about as good as they ever have. I mean, they they have maybe it's hard to to poke around at the roster and the team and say, oh, there's a problem. Uh, you know, maybe they could use another corner, but maybe they'll remedy that. You know, uh, but really, th- this is a team that doesn't seem to have any significant weakness and lots of strengths and lots of playmakers. So it makes you worried. Uh, in some sense, it makes you worried because it almost seems too good. And when things are too good, then I don't know, maybe something will happen. But but my prediction is going to be they win all their games this year. You know, so I don't, you know, at, at the moment, it, it, yeah, you have to sort of pinch yourself because it does really look like a, you know, a good season happening. And they look like, a, as you said, Ira, look, they look like maybe a better team than last year. Ryan? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're like, ah, oh, well, we lost some offensive linemen. Well, how about we bring in two good starters from other programs? And, ah, uh, well, what happens if we lose Blake Corum? Well, we didn't lose Blake Corum. And like, uh, what happens to linebacker? Well, we got a excellent transfer in from Nebraska and you got Chris Jenkins back. And really the, the only questions I have are like, what is the real upside of the receiving core? Hmm. And are you going to get an edge rusher? And, you know, you're kind of banking on Josiah Stewart coming through or you're banking on someone kind of making a move. Derek Moore is probably the guy best positioned just because of his age and uh, his, uh, you know, grading so far in his his college career. But, yeah, in terms of questions that I have about a team going into um, a season, I can't remember the last time I've had so few. Place kicking maybe is a question. I mean, well, they just picked up a transfer from from Louisville, from Louisville who has had a yeah. good career. So, yeah, you know, I mean, if yeah, that that, that could be a problem because he had uh, one good year, and then one bad year, and then one good year. But so college it's, kickers, uh, I mean, yeah. college kickers. I mean, he's coming off a good year, so I feel like the the bottom there is the floor there is probably reasonably high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way I score kickers, he would have been the second best Michigan kicker if you put him up against like all the guys that we've been tracking since two thousand three. Um, you know, he'd be Jake Moody is just far and away like the way I I, yeah. I put the scoring thing together based off of like the distance of the kick and everything, and um, Moody just was blew everybody else out of the water. Uh, but he's right there, so I I'm not really worried about kicker. It is funny how. The way we order the positions in the pr- position in the preview part in the Michigan preview part, it's like quarterback, we're good. Running back, oh my god. Right receiver, okay. How how high is their ceiling? Tight end, Loveland, offensive line, great. We get all the way to cornerback, and it's just like the first cornerback, amazing. Second cornerback, and then like the, phew, <laughs> the whole thing just we don't have a second quarterback. Then we go to the special teams, like okay, we need a new partner, we need a new kicker. Then we go into the recruiting class, and like okay, this wasn't as great of a recruiting class as, as you would hope for after the seasons that they've had. Um, it's kind of funny though; it takes us that long to get into the book. You're a good quarter of the way into the book before you're like, oh, here's something that actually might be a real hole, as opposed to something that's like, I hope it's better than B. Well, that's like when Sam and I had the conversation about, you know, what are they looking for trying to establish certain things on offense? One of the things that we keep talking about is who is your second half back committee? 
because you want to spend like nine of your games where Blake Corman, Donovan Edwards don't play at all in the second half. And last year, they had to play more into the second half than they did this year. So a lot of the questions I have about this team outside of the corner position, and Brian, you mentioned, and Seth, you both mentioned the upside of the receivers. It's the depth part of it, where who's, who are going to be the guys that can play for you in the third and fourth quarter so that you can rest your starters? Because in the first three games of the season, you're going to be up by a lot. And probably in half or more of your Big Ten games, you're going to be up by a lot. And you got to find some of those guys that maybe you didn't have last year because the running back position after Blake and Donovan last year, they were trying to find something this year. They got to find who those guys are. But those are fun questions to have. If those are your biggest concerns, then it does put us in, you know, bring us back to where we started, which is we're all feeling really good on June 1st, which is a great place to be as we look around the country and see whether it's schools that are having questions about their program or conferences that are starting to ask all kinds of questions, trying to figure things out. Or you could be the Pac-12 guys. And just be a total mess and seem like you're about to lose more money and not get a TV contract. And Colorado is about halfway out the door to go to uh, to go to the Big 12. Somehow they think that San Diego State and SMU can save that conference. I, is the Pac-12 going to be alive in four years? Like I'm, after everything I've done in the last like week, I just don't see the Pac-12 making it two, three, four more years. It just seems like it's over. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll say this, it may be better than the ACC, because supposedly in the ACC meetings, the ADs uh, st sat there cursing each other out for an extended period of time. Um, so, you know, I don't know what's going on in, really in either one of those uh, conferences. The so-called, they had this group of seven. I don't know what they called them. They had some strange name. Magnificent them. Seven. Magnificent Seven. Yeah. And one of the Magnificent Seven was North Carolina State. Really? Uh, and, you know, so I don't, you know, I, I don't know what, uh, you know, what's going on there. They need uh, 10 or 15 teams to agree or, or to approve of uh, either a reconfiguration of the league, counting Notre Dame, who apparently has a vote. Count and they need ten or fifteen teams to uh, approve any change. But if any team leaves, they owe one hundred and twenty million bucks back to the league. So I don't see that one happening. I don't see any of them giving up one hundred and twenty million dollars to sort of be a cowboy. Now I don't know what the what you know what the deal is at the pack. Maybe you guys know. Uh, I mean, all the writing is that Colorado's out the door. Uh, as of yesterday, they're you know, so, seemingly gone. So Michael maybe, Elkan you know. wrote about, um, wrote about mm -hmm. the whole like this whole landscape going on right now, yeah. and you know it. What's driving it is primarily they know they're going to end up having to pay the players part of the TV money. That's just it's coming down the line. They've been putting it off for a hundred years, and it's now finally like on the doorstep, and. They're all positioning themselves for that. So that's why the Big Ten and the SEC are grabbing teams that have nothing to do with the big UCLA and USC don't belong in the Big Ten unless you're creating a National Football League style of, you know, of system because you need to have those kinds of TV contracts. So what it's going to do is create a second tier out of conferences that used to be first tier. And that's why they're panicking because there's really no solution for that. How do you, unless you break apart the pack and the ACC and the Big 12, pick out you know the best 16 teams or best 12 teams or whatever you can out of those and try to patch them together. 
are you going to come close to competing with the kind of TV contracts that the Big Ten and the SEC are going to have, <clears throat> therefore the kind of contracts they're going to be able to offer players? What they're afraid of is becoming part of a second tier, and they don't know how to work this because no one wants to pay them what they're going to be paying for the Big Ten and SEC because you can fill an entire TV package with the Big Ten and the SEC. Yeah, I I don't know. The pack, um, you know, Utah supposedly gone, uh, UCLA, Cal, or UCLA and uh, USC gone. Utah, uh, yeah, that's a good question. But what I've read is that Utah is uh, likely to move to the uh, Big 12. Or, you know, and they're trying to put up the Big 12, apparently, is trying to put something together with Utah and the two Arizona schools. So the Big right? 12 and, has an ESPN contract, which the other schools don't yeah, have. Right. And, and they're, so, they're the one backfilling, so they're the best ones suited right now to maybe pick up some other teams out of the breakups of, uh, of the pack and maybe the ATC and turn themselves into a third major conference. Yeah, they're not the the third major conference won't necessarily have the star power of Texas, Michigan, right at the top, like the biggest of the brands. But if they, I've, the Big Twelve, they've got to feel like if they can stockpile enough second tier big brands, essentially that they can be, rep, you know, they can be formidable enough to hold on. Because yeah, the SEC and the Big Ten are separating from everybody else. Everybody's still trying to look for their piece of the pie. Right. The really interesting one was that I saw that the Big Twelve is also having conversations with Gonzaga. Well, does the Gonzaga even have a football team? It's not a football thing. It would be basketball and then I assume other sports. But I think part of the move is to freeze the the Pac-12 out of getting Gonzaga as a basketball school and helping to bolster the Pac-12, another way to weaken the Big uh, the Pac-12. I think there's a big part of the Big 12 strategy is to weaken the Pac-12 and have it go away. You get those the four corner schools in Colorado, Utah, and the Arizona schools. You add in a Gonzaga, all of a sudden you're not a you're a really good basketball conference, and you're a solid football conference. And the Pac-12 is done. I mean, just in terms of like, is the Big Ten going to stick at sixteen schools, or are they going to like? Are is this going to be a national conference? If it's a national conference, I think you're going to twenty. And if you're going to twenty, like, what is the Big Ten mostly? It's flagship state schools that are really good schools. And Michigan State, and <laughs> so it, it kind of makes sense when you look at the Pac-12. It's like, well, what, what, which of these schools make sense for the Big Ten? And it looks like Oregon, Washington, Utah, and I don't know, maybe Colorado. I mean, Colorado doesn't have really done a lot on the field, but Utah has a good basketball program. They've got a great football program, and the atmosphere in that stadium is excellent. And that's yeah. not something you can say about USC or UCLA. You know, they have programs, but part of, you know, they may, and they, they have a market, you know, they have Salt Lake City. They don't have LA, but they dominate that market. Like other than the Utah Jazz, there's not a whole lot going else. Or like rail Salt Lake isn't <laughs> dominating in the ratings there. So, you know, I feel like, I guess if the big 12, doesn't have that grant of rights, you can let them go. But, you know, Big Ten has some decisions to make. Um, the Big Ten, is, yeah, it, they've been wondering how come we don't pick up Washington and Oregon. And this, this is another thing out of uh, Elkhan's article. What big, the Big Ten shares all their revenue. So it's just about the mean. It's just about the average amount that each school is making. And when you look at the average, uh, uh, the average of what Ohio State and Michigan and, and USC all, and Rutgers and all of them together – average out to 
right now it's more than what Oregon or Washington bring in. And Correct. so when you look look at what are you going to get out of a Colorado, you get a Colorado okay, Nebraska game that's, maybe. That's 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 Oregon and Washington playing, you know, Cal and Stanford. It's not Oregon and Washington playing Michigan and Ohio State. And you mentioned Rutgers. This is the point at which Jim Delaney's, you know, thrust into New Jersey is going to start biting the Big Ten as a whole. Because what's Mich- what is Michigan's first game on this year? Rutgers. Peacock. Oh, pe- yeah, the, yeah. The, the Peacock. Yeah. Yeah. So we're moving into over the top streaming networks, and we're not going to be able to keep stealing that dollar from little old ladies in Yonkers who don't <laughs> watch football. Right. So Rutgers is going to be an anchor on this league, and honestly, let's get rid of them. <laughs> so you don't buy that the new that there's any market in New York City well, for Rutgers. No, I, agree, no. I agree. No, I agree no, with Brian. Because right. that was the, theory, the market in New York is for Michigan and it's Ohio State and it's Penn, and Penn State, State and all the Penn other State, schools that have Notre fans Dame. that are there. So real quick, since you brought up Rutgers again, let me read the tweet that I read earlier this morning just because it's funny. Rutgers finishes the 2022-23 athletic year without a postseason appearance in football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, or softball. According to research compiled by Zach Barnett with Football Scoop, that leaves the Scarlet Knights as the only Power 5 program without a postseason appearance in all of the major sports. Well, a shout out to... <laughs> Can we relegate them, please? I mean, shout out to Michigan State who won the NCAA championship in dodgeball. Now, I don't know if they did, but I don't really know if that's an NCAA championship. It's not an NCAA championship. Okay, maybe it's a club, but it's something. Yeah. But they still need the postseason in some things, and if, I just want to read it because it's a chance to take a shot at Rutgers. Brian, yeah. thank you for teeing me up on that. I appreciate yeah. it. I, in fairness, and Rutgers, they should have been in the tournament. I, that was that was that's true. That was terrible that they got left out of that. I agree. That might be true too. But there, this is the, the part you know we've had this conversation too. You could look at a lot of these conferences and say, well, who's the dead weight, right? And Rutgers is the biggest dead weight in the Big Ten. In the Pac-12, the dead weight go- is going to be Mountain West Conference teams, right? Washington State and Oregon State someday are going to be in the Mountain yeah. West or something like that. If you could dump de- uh, dead weight, there would be a couple of schools probably from each of the power conferences that would be going bye-bye, and it would actually raise the value for everybody else and allow you to bring in a Washington and an Oregon and with higher value, but you're never going to be able to get rid of the inter- uh, The interesting thing to me is there's almost no noise about Stanford or Cal, which is San Francisco, obviously, and uh, that you know, but nothing. It's it's let's crickets on that. Eyeballs. It's because of what Brian was talking about. It's eyeballs mm-hmm. on games. It's not necessarily, yeah. and that includes streaming numbers. And if they're looking yeah. at three, four, five plus million eyeballs per game, you know who's playing in those games. It's USC or UCLA versus somebody. It's Michigan yeah. or Ohio State versus somebody. Heck, the Michigan uh, Colorado State game last year had a really big number, like three or four million something, which yeah. is why they're putting the first game against East Carolina on Peacock because it's going to drive a lot of subscriptions and that's their business model and it's going to work. Yeah. So, but that's, <laughs> that's, I guess, the next part of the conversation is the uh, people re- having hand wringing. But Brian and Seth, you guys have been on here for how long talking about cord cutting? This is what we were getting to. So people that are complaining about a game on Peacock, if they were talking about court cutting 10 years ago, should they be in, should have, shouldn't they have been anticipating this? Well, the people who are complaining probably weren't, you know, television executives. So <laughs> I, I can give them a little bit of a pass, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, 
this is where it's going. Like, I don't think like if you yeah. want to watch basketball games in the winter, a big 10 games, they're going to be a hand, a fair amount of games on Peacock. You're going to have to, it's, you're just going to not going it. to <laughs> settle this way. I don't know if Peacock's going to survive the, 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 the market. And I mean, this, it, the, the battle is between TV executives who want to make you pe- buy as much as possible that you're not going to watch. And the consumers who are trying to streamline as much as possible. How much do I need between Netflix and HBO, which is now Max and sucks, and uh, <laughs> and, and like all these other streaming networks and Paramount Plus and all these other things, right? How much do I need? What can I pare down to? And how much can I like? You know, I'm sure a lot of families have deals where you know I'll have the Netflix account, you have the Disney Plus account. We'll all, you know, that it's it's a battle between them and us right now, and. I don't know which streaming services are going to survive. Right now is not the situation that's going to be. It's got to settle in a some sort of system where there's one or two or three major <coughs> streaming networks, and those networks are going to pay out the nose. You're not going to have to subscribe to Paramount, Apple, ESPN, all the you know all these different streaming services on their own. And eventually, you know, Maryland was uh, was was talking about this, and the Big Ten shot them down. But eventually, one of these schools who's going to be on their own is just going to be like, okay, we're going to broadcast it for free. Cal and Stanford is going to broadcast their own network, and you can watch it, and they'll have ads on there. They'll make plenty of money. They'll be able to pay their players plenty of money because there's wait, no middleman. Cal and Stanford? Yeah. I mean, yeah they, if they're left out of a conference, they'll go and do it. Cal, you don't need Cal's that many like people if you don't 10, have a middleman. people in their stadium when Jim Harbaugh had them in the Sugar Bowl. It, my point is, you don't need that many people when you don't have the middleman. If you take out the TV executives and the amount nah. that they feel they need to make, you actually there's there's plenty of money there. You just got to cut out these people who don't do anything except for stand between you and your uh, upstream and make you pay out the nose to get whatever is on there. Yeah, I, you're going to buy a fair amount of services to watch games. If you want to watch games this year, if you want to watch football and basketball games in the Big Ten this year, you're going to need... Fox and everything that comes with it. You're going to need Peacock and NBC and everything that comes with it. You're going to need CBS and Paramount and everything that comes with it. If you want to watch all the games this year or a lot of the games this year, that's how it's set up this year. And in at least the next few years, and maybe it, things will, you know, some streaming services will go away and others will whatever. But in the short term, if you want to watch Michigan football this year on that first game and you don't live in Ann Arbor and you can't go to the game, you got to watch it on Peacock. And there's there's what two other that they're making solely that way, and there's going to be dozens of basketball games that way. It's going to force people's hands to do something if they aren't. If you're a cable subscriber through Xfinity, you get it anyway. But for the cord cutters, you're going to have to get some additional uh, services. But as we say here, if you want to make sure you get the CBS stuff and the Paramount stuff, you could just subscribe to two four seven and to the MichiganInsider.com and the Michigan That's Insider. True. You, That's you, true. you can't do a you deal can, though. I I messed myself up with that. I had I was paying like I got some sort of deal and then it didn't come with the Paramount until I was paying full price. But yeah, you got to get the full price subscription. <laughs> yeah. You get the full price subscription, but you get Paramount Plus with yeah. it, which yeah. is great. There's great stuff on Paramount Plus. Yeah. But, so, is there anything else on on Peacock that anyone is going to watch? All the subscribers they're going to get in in August. What doesn't Notre Dame do? Some uh, Notre Dame has exclusive games and exclusive content yeah. on there. There's <laughs> soccer on there, right, Brian? There's isn't there soccer on there? Yes, they have the EPL. Yeah, so, so there's soccer on there. There's Notre Dame stuff. There's um, Olympics have put some very exclusive stuff on Peacock because they're trying to drive subscribers. And Paramount Plus is similar and. 
They'll have some very program, you know, specific Big Ten programming on Paramount Plus. If you want to watch it, you have to have the subscription, and that stuff is all coming. Yeah, and we'll see, see uh, how how long it lasts. I think is probably your point, correct, uh, uh, Seth? Is how long it lasts for each of those I, individual I, I services. I think that it's not just how long it lasts. It's also about how because they take such a huge chunk in order to like produce all these regular old television shows, which there's no market for anymore. You know, no one's going to watch a, th- a thirty minute sitcom anymore. The 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 whole form is dying, and they're trying to base their market off of like, oh, people need to watch their NBC sitcoms. No, they don't. They only watched it because you only had four channels and you're like, okay, what am I going to watch now? What am I going to, you know, okay, I don't like this. I'll change the channel. It's the market's always been the same. We're battling them for like how much we can get and how, how how do we get the thing that we want? And they're trying to put it in as many boxes between us as doors between us as possible. And it's not going to settle out the way that is anything like what it is right now. Yeah, I mean, back to, uh, just for a moment to the ACC. Uh, there's been some noise there that the have-nots in the in the ACC would accept a smaller share of the pie. Is they're that talking, right? Craig, they're t- what they're talking about in the ACC is um, starting next year, not the season coming up, but the following season. Mm-hmm. That in uh, mainly it's basketball and football, but the sports okay. where there are performance enhancements, right? You get a unit for w- getting the NCAA tournament. Okay. And you, each win is a unit. Instead of that unit money going to the conference, it goes to the school. So they say if Clemson makes a bo- the the playoff, that money goes to Clemson. It doesn't go to the conference. They don't have to share it. And so there's some money that still get shared. Their TV contracts will all be shared. But if you earn individual monies, you then get to keep it. And that they claim can get the schools like a Florida State or a Clemson that feel like they should have 20 or whatever more million dollars than they're getting, that that'll help them close the gap. That's what they're talking about doing. It's a performance-based, keeping your own money, kind of kill what you kill and eat or eat what you kill, keep your own as opposed to all of it going into one communal pot and sharing amongst the league. That's yeah, the ACC model. That's what they're yeah, trying to do. I'm to skeptical how that may work, but uh, – but, uh, that I keep hearing that. The other thing I wonder about is if this provides an opportunity for certain schools. Gonzaga has been mentioned, Boise State, maybe like San Diego State, San Jose <laughs> State, forming some sort of a new league. I mean, I could see San Jose and San Diego State because these, uh, these uh, um, moving in with Cal and Stanford and maybe – the Wazoo or Oregon State to try and rebuild a conference, uh, and but how Craig, that, if the Pac-12 uh, can't get a TV contract, yeah, with the way they're currently constituted, how are the yeah. remnants of the Pac-12 with some yeah. other leftovers going to get a TV contract? Money's not going to pay for the TV's not going to pay for that. That's why the remnants of the Pac-12 are going to the Mountain West yeah. or Conference USA or the WAC or I don't even know what conferences are still even out there in that part of the country. I mean, in that case. Uh, what does say Cal and Stanford do on scheduling? I mean, to make money, do they have to come east and 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 become Bowling Green essentially, and 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 do payday games against big? They're going to have. I think I think Stanford and Cal need to beg their way into being a part of Washington and Oregon and getting their hands into the Big Ten, even if it's for a lesser fee. I don't know how it actually works because otherwise, Cal and Stanford are going to try to find a way to get into the Ivy League. They're going to try to find a way to get to an academic conference and they'll downgrade their sports a little bit more. At least that's what it sounds like from what some people have said out West. If they yeah. don't make it with the uh, the Big Ten or 
if the Pac-12 doesn't survive kind of thing. So the realignment conversation is going to continue. A conversation that people have been asking us to talk about. We're going to get to it next. Last night was the deadline for the NBA draft to withdraw or not. Mm-hmm. A few names that withdrew are of significance to Michigan. So we're going to get to that next. Michigan's basketball roster and more here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK. The ticket. Has anyone heard anything about Ray J. Dennis? He's announcing oh. it noon today on Field of 68 on Twitter. And I assume he's going to Illinois now that Shannon is back. Okay, at is. Illinois, and, and Hawkins Illinois. is back too. And Hawkins is back. So not, and they don't have a point guard. So all of a sudden that looks like a sweet fit for him. Is that what it feels like to you? I don't know. Make it seem like it's not Michigan. I don't know if it's and Illinois. I heard Utah was even in play because his trainer or something like okay. what is now or somebody is now part of the Utah staff. But I know the Michigan noise just evaporated. He's a really nice player, incidentally. A really, really good basketball player. Michigan apparently needs to focus the most, or fans need to focus the most on, are still Namwa and then Zion Pullen, the kid from Riverside. Yeah, he, Pullen, um, I haven't seen him play. I just know his numbers are really good. I don't know what the competition was like at Riverside, uh, but. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they Pullen is in this weekend, right? Isn't he in Ann Arbor this weekend? I believe. Um, I, I think Kamwa is. I'm. I believe they're both supposed to be scheduled, if not soon. Yeah, not this weekend. Then super soon. I mean, you got yeah. They got to get it over with. They're, they've uh, made the first decision, which is to not go to the NBA draft. Yeah. Uh, I mean, wow, wow. It looks like a complete mess, especially with Edie going back to Purdue. Uh, Edie, uh, Purdue, or someone on the Purdue site said Edie made 800K last year, and they're expecting him to get more this year in the million-plus range to stay at Purdue. Pretty much everybody in the Big Ten got guys back yesterday, except for me. Yeah, and State is fine. I don't. What happened to Hauser? Hauser actually has one more year. I would like Hauser at Michigan. I always thought he was a nice, a nice player, which would fit well with them. There are but, still thirteen hundred players in the transfer portal. Thirteen hundred. At last check, the at last check, I was just at an email that there are more than thirteen hundred in the men's basketball transfer portal. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> that's totally Maybe ridiculous. Michigan State football can start looking through the basketball players again. <laughs> that's that's usually how they get their best players. Anyway, like Keon Coleman is a basketball player. They're like, hey, you can come here and play basketball, right? You know, like the yeah. that that's that's worked for them. Yeah, I mean, going to the distant past, I think Pete Gent was a basketball player who had a good football career at MSU. Yeah. Uh, I, so, I mean, when you go through the Michigan State team, it's like there's there's a few of them who showed up thinking, hey, I'm going to play some basketball. They're like they they use that in recruiting a lot, and none of them end up on the team. I, I can't think of anyone starting for Michigan State basketball who's playing football as well. Yeah, yeah, Trannon wasn't yeah. Matt Trannon played. Uh, How you just watched the Brandon Fest game? <laughs> yeah, he was in that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, what's funny when we, you know going back to that topic, you know, you got Alex puts up the post, and I wasn't I wasn't in Harbor yeah. watching that that uh that with you guys, but. Um, just going through the game again, I've forgotten how much I hated watching about 80% of that game. It was boring. It was a terribly boring yeah. game until the la- until eight minutes to go in the game and then we'll triple overtime. How many times but, did they nail us with that stupid... I, Michigan needs to get that yeah. uh, that run. The um, Handback draw or whatever they... Yeah, where they like, rolled out. Only, 
I think that only works really well if Ernest Shazer is your deep safety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're back in about 15 seconds. Ern- Ernest Shazer was really, in, in a lot of respects, I think, disappointing at Michigan. He was a five-star Five star, and uh, should have been maybe a he should have been a linebacker, but I don't think he wanted to play linebacker. I don't, I, I don't think he knew where our gap was. And back here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTK, the ticket, we are online at WTK.com. So we got a little bit of a jump start on the basketball conversation in the uh, in the break, but we're going to re- get this uh, rolling here. Uh, once again, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTK, the ticket online at WTK.com, the d- uh, deadline to withdraw from the NBA draft and maintain your, N- uh, your MB- or NCAA eligibility <laughs> was last night. Uh, Akins and Hogarth from Michigan State withdrew from the draft. Zach Eady withdrew from the draft. Amori from Rutgers withdrew from the draft. Shannon and Hawkins from Illinois withdrew from the draft. Uh, Tominaga from Nebraska withdrew from the draft. Some of these guys we probably expected yeah. to. But there were a lot of guys withdrawing from the draft uh, that were coming back to load up some teams in the Big Ten. And meanwhile, guys, Michigan sits with some major holes in the roster still and a couple of transfers to really focus on. So, Craig, let's uh, we'll start with you talking about Olivier Namwa and Zion Pullen, because these are seems like the top two targets remaining on the board for Michigan. And getting these two guys or not getting these two guys seems like the make or break between having a decent team or maybe being much worse. Than that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, one player name you 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 neglected. Uh, good news for Michigan. Chase Audige is staying in the draft. The draft. <laughs> you know, so and not everybody came back to school, but yeah, most of the guys seem well, like. Yeah, but uh, Purdue will be really good. Obviously, they'll be at the top of the Big Ten with Edie back because they're pretty much the same team as last year, except for Edie. Uh, and uh, MSU will be very good. Uh, they've got good players coming in, and uh, they look pretty intact, except for Hauser. Uh, and Michigan, who knows? I mean, I mean, look at Michigan's roster for a second. You're set at, at point guard with Doug and you're set at, at center with Terrace, assuming he can not foul out in, in, yeah, uh, you got 30 minutes with Terrace. Yeah. And 25 minutes, maybe. Yeah. And so then you got Jalen Llewellyn, who I read yesterday, really hasn't healed up from his injury yet. And he has had Achilles problems in the past. And that is about the worst injury to have for a basketball player. Uh, you got uh, George Washington, the third, who is a freshman who we don't know much about in the backcourt. And so far, Michigan hasn't even announced Namari Burnett is coming here. And we don't know a, if he's graduated or B if his credits transfer, if he hasn't graduated and I assume he's coming now, but uh, maybe that's not such a good assumption. Cause I thought I assumed Caleb Love was coming. Uh, then hopefully you've got Yo-Yo who will break out at the three. I don't know. Uh, I do believe Trey Jackson has graduated. I think that he one is pretty much a lock. And the good news there is he says he's not he's not opposed to playing some amount of time at the center. Now, he's not really a center, but he is 6'10 or so. So he could play some center minutes if he actually had to. And it, it sounds like he's not necessarily opposed to that. And then everything else is an enigma. Uh, you've got uh, Jace, who I wouldn't count on, and you've got T. Will and Will T. I don't know. 
you know, I I think uh, T. Will has some ability, but he's always been sort of a tweener at any position he plays. And he seemed to have uh, uh, Brandon Johns issues last year with confidence. Um, uh, and that's it. You got even if you've got uh, Burnett, you got ten guys. Ray J. Dennis, who I was hopeful for, I think is unlikely. There's like zero noise about him. Ira said off the air that he's a noon choice today. Conway. Uh, the biggest noise seems to be he's going to go back to Europe uh, and play, but because I think he's from Finland, right? And uh, and but uh, maybe Jawan and and their crew can convince him this weekend. He would certainly help. Uh, I think he's a good player. And then you have this guy who showed up last night, who from Riverside, who ended up back out of the draft, uh, pulling. I mean, he has good numbers, but. Has anyone has anyone really looked at him or watched him or know whether he he can make a jump up to the Big Ten level? I have no idea. Even assuming they can get him, and he's a a, a West Coast guy, and b there's lots of interest on him. It isn't just Michigan. So outside of that, I've heard nothing. Doesn't mean there is nothing. I mean, Ira says there's 1,300 guys in the portal. Yeah, now uh, not all 1,300 are quality of you know right there's probably 20 who are at this point or who are or the quality of of coming to the big 10 just to uh, for pulling out of uc riverside he according to his representative he's down to five schools florida xavier gonzaga lsu and michigan so only one of them is a west coast school which does Mm kind of scare me a little because i i hear the same things that if the west coast is a pull uh but they do need to add bodies i don't think going to the year of 10 on the roster is ideal yeah, 10, maybe 10. 10, assuming we have Burnett, uh, you know, and his, and what his situation is or whether he could play at this level isn't a given. He was a great high school player. That's what we know. Uh, I mean, so far, his college career has been sketchy. Uh, so it looks bad. I mean, it, it looks like a team that really isn't going to compete with Purdue or MSU. You know, without Chase Adige, maybe we can, you know, do something with Northwestern. Actually, I think with Chase Adige, we'd probably have a better chance of competing with Northwestern. And uh, Rutgers, uh, you know, I don't know. Is McConnell and, and what's, what are their deals? McConnell is gone, but what about Mulcahy? Is he, did he, he was in the, in the NBA grouping, but I don't know uh, what, what his situation is there. So, but otherwise they might be okay. Penn State is terrible. They lost 11 guys um, and there's nothing there, but it, it does, you know, it looks like Michigan sort of high watermark at the moment, at least is sort of middle of the conference, high water. Don't want to be negative, but how do you want to talk negative. about basketball this much? <laughs> I love basketball. They're falling asleep over here. Like, yeah, <laughs> how do you want to talk about this? We're like in the preseason of a like a fantastic football season. Basketball is just kind of. I mean, it's depressing. Like they they're taking a couple yeah, of shots. Yeah, if they get a guy in the portal, yeah, it'll be fun again. But uh, it's it's depressing. But you got Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards in the same backfield this year. Like that's. I'm starting to get revved up for that. I would rather talk about like games Michigan 
football loss right now than talk about basketball. <laughs> <than> basketball. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of people who are interested in basketball, including me. I and, love I love our basketball team. I go to many yeah, bas- more basketball yeah, teams than I went to football it's games. A, it's, it's a timely conversation, Seth, because of last night's deadline is really why it's a timely I, conversation. I know, I know. I just, but you're not wrong. Um, I was deciding between having a basketball conversation with you guys or leaving for a root canal, and I only slightly <laughs> chose staying for this conversation because it's it is painful, and it's but finding a couple more players in the portal, like I mean, does it make you good? It's not going to make you great, but is it going to make you competitive to the middle of the conference? Like that's what they're looking for right now. But they've got to hit on at least one or two more of these guys. Well, there, I mean, they can't there, sit at ten. There is, uh, yeah, I mean, there is a guy. Um, Flory Badunga, who I think will be on campus. Now, he is probably that's, a one-and-done. That's, that's not a real person. It, it's, a, <laughs> it's a real person. He's no, that's a, not a real person's name. That's like some sort of Oompa Loompa. <laughs> he's like seven foot tall, and he is a, he is a beast. He's actually yeah. six nine. Uh, but, but he is uh, he's a 2024. He is on campus. Um, yeah. Well, um, he he might. There's noise that he might reclassify. Davis from Davis from Sam's site is saying uh, he had said that he does not expect it to happen. Almost certainly will remain in the 24 class. And okay, he's, Davis all over the basketball you recruiting. Reclassified. Stuff. You don't want to reclassify bigs. Like every year, every year matters for them. You don't want a big like yeah. a year early. Yeah, I, I mean this this kid though is is I watched his tape last night and he's the deal. He's uh. Uh, he, there's a lot of uh, Chris Weber in him. I think he's the number three player in that 24 class yep. and the number one center. And he has that quick twitch Weber ability. If the ball's down in the post, it's a basket. And, uh, and he, he uh, can pass the ball. He can handle it some. Very unselfish. Doesn't have much of a outside shot as far as I can tell, but I don't want my, I'm not one in the, at the college game who's, enamored of a, of a big guy with an outside shot necessarily. And, and maybe here's another, as long as we're on basketball, there's a question I had. How come Papa Conte can speak English in Pittsburgh, but not in Ann Arbor? Because he, he committed to Pittsburgh this week. Uh, and I thought the deal was something with his, what do they call it? The TOEFL score or something like that. Uh, or maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was something else. I don't know. But uh, he decommitted and is and will play for Pittsburgh next year. So, We've always but, known that there's been some. Uh, every once in a while, you have issues. But when it comes to bringing guys in, and whether it's international or other reasons, yeah, this one's disappointing. I know people were really hoping he'd come in and be a part. Yeah, of he's part. a he, he's a good fit. He was he was a good fit with the the team they had, and uh, so I don't know, Badunga. That's who you know, uh, Brian. That's who. You know, hope that we could pin our hopes on Flory Badunga because he is a really fine basketball big time kid out of Kokomo, Indiana, class of 2024. Yeah, there were there were as you said rumors that he was going to try to reclassify to 23, but it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. But he was, uh, according to what I what we've been told, he arrived yesterday. Will be here through tomorrow. He's on a visit, and a lot of big boys are on him. And uh, yeah. including Michigan, so we'll see how that one goes. It won't help out this year's team, but if you can lock him in, that obviously helps out the next year's class, which uh, would be a, a nice thing as we uh, 
as we move forward. So, all right, you guys don't want to talk basketball, so we can move away from the basketball <laughs> talk. We'll bring things back to football. I know I want to put a smile back on Seth's face as we do that. So, would you rather just talk about Nick Saban whining? Is that a, a more of a fun conversation? What did he for whine you? about this? I haven't even looked yet, but I know SEC Day started. Therefore, yeah, there's so- got to be a Nick Saban complains about something that changes the scenario that makes him <clears throat> system- systemically. Uh, advantage from everybody else well so his whining is about um nil and how uh the rules are not the same for everybody and that there's going to be an imbalance a competitive imbalance if the rules are are, if it's maintained this way nick saban is talking about competitive imbalance guys (laughs) i mean he does this all the time i know he does who he is whatever once he starts losing an advantage over somebody else he wants to take that advantage over away from that other person or so he tries advantage for a long time was that he had the his he had the control over the boosters right if if you went to go for lsu their problem was always the guys who were paying the players got to make decisions and they you could not take it out of their hands saban actually wrangled it so that it was illegal to pay players, so therefore, like Michigan wouldn't do it. Ohio State had certain ways that they would do it; that they wouldn't get caught. And Alabama just could do whatever they wanted to. Whatever Georgia was paying, they could match. It drove him nuts that Kirby Smart came out and started using the same system he did and got control of his guys too. But that's that that system was great for Alabama because Saban could actually control where the money went, and the NCAA was never going to come near him. And everybody else was afraid to try to do it his way because either you piss off your boosters or, you know, you uh, you get caught because the NCAA actually might investigate you. Um, so this this sucks for him. The fact that Texas A&M can pay a player more than he can absolutely sucks for him. I really feel for Nick Saban. I hope that it works out. <laughs> yeah. Well, the only other football thing I've got, and I know everyone's interested in this, is Bo Jackson's hiccups. He's had hiccups for a year. Call me. I know about this one uh, because he's going to have surgery for hiccups and probably a bad idea. I but, couldn't figure out if Brian's computer froze or if your statement made Brian just freeze. In yeah, time. I think he, it made him freeze anyway, <laughs> but that's about it on on football I got left. I, I actually just frozen since you too. said the word Flory Badunga. <laughs> Sounds like a halfling bard in my next D and D campaign. He is a top three recruit in the class of 2024. I actually, we have a listener, this uh, Jamie, who's down in Indiana, and he's been sending stuff on Flory for months and months and months and months. The kid is a he's a physical specimen. Uh, the kid's well, a freak. Well, and the other thing is, is he has basketball skills. He can he can. I, I did not mean to turn this back to basketball. Apologize. <laughs> Your, fault, <laughs> Your fault, Seth. All right, so Seth. Let's close this out and let's kind of give a very, um, we have a couple of minutes left. And so let's get back to how we started. You posted on MGO blog today. The book is available for, free, uh, for pre-sale. So kind of let's walk us through like, I guess more or less the table of contents. So kind of what fans can expect when they flip through the awesome book that is Hail to the Victors 2023 that will be coming out later this summer that is now available for pre-purchase on MGO blog. Yeah. So it's 128 pages of just repeating the scores of the last two Ohio State games repetitively. <laughs> Um, that sounds awesome, actually. <laughs> but we 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 do mention it. I, I haven't counted yet, but when I'm done, I will count how many times we say forty five twenty three in the book. It's more than ten. I know that. Uh, <laughs> but I talked about what Crick wrote. He uh, he talked about like some past Michigan teams that started number one in the season and 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 how they approached the season and how things worked out for them. Uh, Greg Dooley, who just uh, has a new uh, class that he's teaching on NIL, he's got a couple articles. He 
had two. He had one, and he broke into two articles for it. One of them's a history of players getting paid. It goes back way further than you oh. think. It goes back like 1893. We have absolute proof that Michigan was paying players. So yes, it, we do. it's been going on a long time. And then he gets into like how NIL is actually working today. Um, and it's it's all based off of what he's teaching in his uh, his class on NIL right now. Uh, Elkhan, I talked about his um, future of expansion and what the TV markets are and why things and why things look the way they are and how to kind of envision what it's going to end up as. Scott Bell, I talked about Edwards and Corm in the same backfield. He kind of goes through the history of like other two horse backfields, you know, like when you had Reggie Bush and Lorenzo White in the same backfield kind of thing, and how they were used and ways that they uh, and ways that they can pair those guys together. Cody Alexander, who write, uh, writes Match Quarters, his first time writing for us, he kind of gets into Michigan's uh, secondary and how their whole system works and, and how their switch defense works. It's kind of interesting that it's actually not as interesting as we thought it was going to be. It's not It's not that hard. It's just taking cover three and making one guy man sometimes. Um, Ian Boyd always writes for us. He talks about the things that J.J. McCarthy is good at and how they can kind of retailer the offense. Because one thing he noticed last year is that Michigan really did go into the season with a lot of things for uh, Cade McNamara in the offense. And then they just ran this offense that was, you know, over 50% Cade McNamara with J.J. McCarthy. And what they can do maybe to kind of use not only his legs, but some of the passes and passing concepts that he's better at and get some of these passing concepts that Cade was really good at that J.J. doesn't like out of their system. Um, And then we always have a history section. So John B., he's got an amazing article uh, on the or on the beginnings of women's sports at Michigan, which is a way more fascinating topic than I think anyone can imagine. They, you know, it's not like just 1972 happens and boom, we have women's sports. They just had no. to kind of take popsicle sticks and put together their own sports, and it was kind of the wild west of who gets to create a sport and who gets to be in. And we, are we all going to be in the same conference? Is the NCAA going to be in charge of this? There are all these questions that had to get sorted out. And they were sorted out basically by someone goes and does something, and then it comes, and then someone has to come and be in charge again. It was like recreating college sports all over again. Um, talked about Dooley's, the players got paid history. Adam Schnepp talked to uh, Jeremy Gallen, and I think he's talking to Gardner. I know he talked to Devin Funches about the Gallen game ten years ago. The Jeremy uh, <laughs> Gallen got a cloaking oh, device. Feel old. Yeah. <laughs> That's old now. That's old now. I know. It's old. That makes me feel old. Well, the magazine's going to be great. The book's going to be a magazine. It's a book. It's going to be great as always. Go to MGoBlog now to pre-order. Guys, as always, appreciate your time. We will talk to you next week. And that is going to do it for this edition of the Michigan Insider Miz. Thank you very much. Sam will be back in the air chair tomorrow. He was at Sound Mind, Sound Body. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll see everybody tomorrow here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050, WTKA, Ann Arbor, Accumulus Station. And Craig wrote an article.